Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. The truth about magic. Tell me about that. Well, this book, uh, my latest, is called The Truth About Magic. There's also an audio and video series which has the same content available on Vimeo. Uh, But the basic premise of this book is to look at things like magic, the occult, spirituality, from a middle perspective. That's to say, neither a skeptical view that just says it's all bunk, nor a totally credulous view where you just uh, believe everything and anything um, uh, regardless. The idea is to take these things seriously and intelligently uh, without being um, taken in too much by them or believing all the nonsense about them. I mean, there are such things as as magic, uh, and I'm talking about occult magic rather than uh, sleight of hand magic, which uh, I know nothing about. But uh, our perceptions of it are generally skewed by Hollywood representations and occult horror movies, which right. are incredibly over-dramatized because Hollywood likes over-dramatization. Pe- people like watching that stuff, I yeah, guess. Yeah, but it's not really like that and when people say well of course it's not really like that therefore it doesn't exist at all well it does uh, magic and various uh shall we say occult practices are basically universal practiced worldwide uh they go of course by different names and they take different forms in different cultures but they've certainly been alive and well in the west basically ever since anyone has been keeping track in your book, you spell magic the traditional way, the way I spell it. Some people spell it with the K at the end. Tell me about what that K does. What does that represent compared to uh, ending magic with a C? Well, magic with a spelled with a, a final K it goes back to Aleister Crowley, or Crowley, who was a famous occultist of mm-hmm. the early 20th century. And he wanted to distinguish the occult magic, the type that he was practicing, from sleight-of-hand magic. So he adopted this somewhat archaic spelling, and most people who use that uh, K spelling are influenced by Crowley to some degree or another. It looks a little more evil than the traditional C magic, doesn't it? It looks that way. Yes, and he liked, Crowley was quite a character, and he liked playing up the sinister aspect. Uh, he was delighted when um, a, a London tabloid referred to him as the wickedest man in the world. This was in the 1930s when Hitler and Stalin were running around. Yeah. So I don't think Aleister Crowley was like the wickedest man in the world by a long shot. But he, he kind of dug that um, uh, kind of mysterious, slightly dark image, and um he cultivated it. Do we all have the power, Richard, to perform magic? And we don't mean, like you were saying, sleight of hand, but the, the really influential use of magic? Yes. Uh, it's a potentiality that's only very, very lightly developed in most people for the simple reason that most people haven't worked on it. People do... Well, let's take, for example, there's this thing called clairvoyance, telepathy. There are such things as clairvoyance. These are people who can actually see what they describe as auras, colors, and 
uh, they see quite accurately. I know very, very few people who can do that. Most of them uh, or uh, had that skill from birth and happened to be uh, raised in contexts where that was um, supported uh, rather than uh, frowned upon. So very few of us have clairvoyance in that way. But you could say that we have clairvoyance in a kinesthetic sense. That is to say, we may not see auras or things, but we perceive feelings about spaces. That place gives me the creeps. Yeah. I really have a good feeling about that place. We all have this, and we all pay attention to it to some extent or another, unless, of course, you're in a horror movie where, you know, gosh, honey, this whole place really gives me the creeps. Yeah, uh, let's make an offer, which... Um, <laughs> horror movies are basically all about everybody doing the exact <laughs> opposite of what any sensible person would do in those circumstances but um, uh, that's just to keep the fun going I guess so people have this sense of I'm, I'm going to call it kinesthetic clairvoyance you feel atmospheres you feel sensations of places and people uh, so everybody has this and uses it to some degree I would say the people who are more, I would even say intelligent, pay some attention to this rather than like our um, horror movie characters ignoring it completely. Now, this kind of kinesthetic perception is not infallible, but it's part of the whole sensory system that we have, and it would be a good idea to take it into account. I would also say that when we talk about the five senses and the sixth sense and so on, those are just ways of speaking. Because I think it would be much more accurate to view human sensation as a continuum. That is to say, all of this is, is uh, done together at the same time, including the so-called psychic part. And if we, you know, we have to take everything into account, and the more we do so, I think the more, um, well, I think the more intelligent we'll be. Uh, because that is a fundamental part of our intelligence. Now, the other uh, aspect of your question is performing magic. That is to say, can you make things happen? Um, well, can you make things happen through means that are not normally causal or physical? Yes, you can. Again, the skill is not very well developed in people. And the one thing that most people do not have because they have not developed it is will. Uh, because in order to do anything like this, the first thing, and this is said in all of the texts practically, is the development of will. That is to say, to focus attention and energy on a single point or a relatively uh, circumscribed point. And most people don't have this skill because they haven't um, developed it. In fact, I, as I think you've probably heard, uh, many people today are troubled by a society that's becoming um, increasingly afflicted by attention deficit disorder. Yeah, exactly. So, theoretically, uh, we're getting less good at this uh, than we used to be. So uh, that is uh, that would be one requirement, and you would have to do this. Uh, some people have natural skills. Some people, you know, seem to pick up the piano and uh, play it uh, without having ever had a lesson. Some people can do this 
remarkably skillfully, just as an innate talent. Uh, but um, for most of us, uh, it's uh, a very, very latent power. Let's talk about some various aspects that are under the umbrella of magic and get your thoughts on that. First of all, let's talk about psychic abilities of people. Uh, We've interviewed many people on this program who claim to be psychic. Uh, What do you think of the individual's ability to be psychic, Richard? Uh, I think it's, uh, well, yes, I think, yes, people do have psychic powers. uh, And I was talking a little bit about one aspect of that Mm -hmm. a few minutes ago. Um, Now, one thing about science is, and I'm sure you've interviewed people on your show who've uh, pointed this out, scientific research into the paranormal done over the past 80 years uh, proves that, yes, there is uh, uh, psychic abilities in terms of psychokinesis, clairvoyance, um, precognition uh, in everyone. This is, this is, these experiments have been done over and over and over so many times. Uh, these Experiments have been done more thoroughly, more rigorously uh, than for most of the prescription drugs we take. Well, you may find that alarming, or maybe you don't. But uh, no, I don't. In any case, yeah. yeah. So, in, in any case, uh, yeah, science has actually proven that there is such a thing as psychic powers. Now, again, uh, these are present in most people, but to a very, very limited degree. And the re- one reason they're pre- present in a very limited degree is that people are told they don't have them. Uh, if you if you told if you were told that you, you you couldn't see out of your eyes, well, your your sense of sight would be uh, probably not as good as it is today. This is a sense we have, as I say, they're simply not being used because our society, uh, for various reasons of its own, has chosen to um, close its eyes uh, to these powers. But yes, and it's been proven, and there's huge amounts of research, and I'm I'm sure you've uh, delved into some of this research in um, a number of your programs. Why is it that some people are more psychic than others? I don't think anyone really knows the answer to that. Uh, An astrologer might look at someone's chart and say this and that, uh, would indicate a, um, uh, a pre, uh, predisposition to psychic powers. Sure. But I think in the end, and that may be so, uh, in the end, I think we have to be leave ourselves with the fact that some people have remarkably advanced skills in certain areas, and other people have remarkably advanced skills in other areas. And uh, I guess we need all types to make a world. I very, very, I'm, you know, I read a lot and I uh, write a lot, but I have very, very little technical skill, even uh, coming down to basic home repairs. I just never, uh, I just don't seem to be good at it. I was never trained at it. Well, a lot of people are that way. They can't fix pipes or electrical wiring or anything like that. Yeah, and so, but fortunately, I know people who can, or I don't. (laughs) Yes, that's right. But I think we have to leave this in, in that area of, of mystery. Now, there, there are people who believe in reincarnation, 
and people will say that these abilities uh, are reflections of skills developed in past lives. I, I'm certainly open to that um, belief. I think it would okay. So you don't close the door on that? No, no. I, I think uh, I think well, like a quarter of the U.S. population by uh, polls taken over the last few decades. Um, I think reincarnation is a possibility. I think some people do reincarnate. I think some people, after death, go on to other realms uh, for reasons that um, may be very difficult for us to comprehend. Some people come back. Some people go on. Um, uh, we can theorize about why, and the, the sacred texts talk a little bit about that. But um, uh, you could also use these uh, reincarnation as a uh, an explanation for these um, predispositions. Well, if the doors open for you to believe in reincarnation, then obviously you are a believer in uh, life after death. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a that's I think everybody. Well, you know, there's this old play by Thornton Wilder, Our Town, which is rarely performed these days outside of high school auditoriums. And um it's kind of a corny old play. But at one point one of the characters says, you know, Everybody knows this down in their bones, whether they admit it or not. There's something that's eternal, and that something has to do with human beings. And I agree with that statement. I believe that uh, you, you may call it, well, you, you can may call it by all the names in all the world's traditions, but I think there is something in us that is undying and immortal, although it may well not be what people tend to think it is. Do you think there's evil on this planet? Yeah. And the, um, the most uh, insightful explanation of why actually comes in the book of Genesis. Because, well, let's put it this way. This man and this woman... Uh, come to God one day and said, Hey, Lord, there's this thing called good and evil. It sounds kind of neat. We'd like to try it. And God says, No, I, I, I really do not suggest that you do that. Uh, that is not a good idea. And they said, Oh, come on, we want to. And uh, said, All right, well, you're going to have to descend into a realm where you have to work hard for a living and it hurts to have babies. And that human race, at some primordial level, in some primordial sense, wished to know good and evil. And I will say this infallibly about you, although I know nothing about you. I will say this infallibly about everyone who's listening, who will ever listen to this. You have known some good and some evil in your life. So have I. Uh, it's universal. Everybody has, we're humans. Yes. I mean, the world, in a sense, one of the core, if you look at an old Kabbalistic text called the Sefer Yetzirah, the Book of Formation, it seems to be suggesting that good and evil are one of the dimensions of the world uh, as we know it. There are three spatial dimensions, according to this text, one uh, linear dimension of time, and then a, a dimension of good and evil. And those are what constitute reality as we know it. So, in fact, okay, evil is so fundamental to our understanding of things that, um, have you ever heard people say, wow, you know, heaven sounds kind of boring, you know? I mean, yeah. just sitting up a there. Angels are up there with harps and stuff yeah, like that. Exactly. Um, and that, you know what that means? Is heaven like that? I doubt it. 
But that means that we are not even able to conceive of a world that's um, at all desirable without some mixture of evil in it, at least to make it interesting. I mean, think about that. Isn't that weird? That sure is. It sure is. And so, yes, yeah, there is evil, and there's good and evil. Um, there seems to be a lot more in some of one in some places, and a lot more of the other in other places. And um, that's a very intricate subject. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.